Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The prospect is Corbin Carroll. DVR, can you tell people that Corbin Carroll is really good? Corbin Carroll is really good. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Under the Radar. Special uh, President's Day edition. How did I know it was President's Day? Because uh, Douglas Bradburn sent me an email asking me for money in the name of George Washington. <laughs> so thanks to our good friend and yours, Ian Kahn. You had that set up. That was your plan coming in. No, it, Ian, it just came you before the show. Did it really? I sw- yeah, afford it to. Hold on. I'm sure I'm on the list. I am not on the list. I, I guess I never give them money. I mean, I don't either. Well, you did. <laughs> they haven't gotten the hint yet. Yeah. No, no, you did. I, I just, I, I help out around the house. All right. But that's good, good, good stuff. Doug Bradburn, nice man. Runs the whole place. Seems like a nice man. Yeah. I mean, this one's called Let's Light Some Candles. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it parlays <laughs> Washington. Well, anyway, whatever. And I- <laughs> the guy who didn't uh, donate uh, to Mount Vernon, Derek Van Riper. Yeah, they're mad at me. I don't give them money. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just going to, uh, when I do my unsubscribe, I'm just going to change my address instead and do a little uh, Derek Van Riper special. That'd be pretty funny. That'd be messed up. That happened. I uh, can I, I, can, that. I, can I, I tell a quick story? There was a girl, I dated a girl in college and I met her whole family and she had like 10 uncles. I'm not kidding. Like 10 uncles who all were like, oh, so you're dating my niece, right? And I was like, oh, you know, everything's fine. The uncles then sent me a subscription. This was back in the early 90s. Sent me like subscriptions to like every magazine in the world to my college address. So I had to like pay for all of these subscriptions. Seriously, <laughs> that actually happened. And then I was like, what are you? And then she was like, I'm sorry, my uncles, they think it's funny. I'm like, it's not funny. I have like $9. I, I don't. I don't read. I don't read any of these magazines. Why are they sending me Vogue? I think they think it's funny. It's not funny. Okay, let's talk baseball. And then you dumped her. Now we stayed together a little while longer, but you know, uh, college. Cool. It's college. <laughs> All right. Uh, big things on today's show. Um, we're going to talk uh, kind of prospects. I mean, obviously, this is this is our this is a straight under the radar roots uh, show. I think it's because the the draft that I've talked about many times, the drafts that I share with Chris Vaccaro. Uh, we're past the 30th round now, so oh, it's my turn. That's it. And he stuck me with one one catcher. He's like, here, your turn. <laughs> you know how hard it is to find catchers after the 30th round? Not that hard. It's, it's kind of hard. Austin Hedges is our number three, so wishes luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Roberto Perez is our number two, so wishes double luck. That's not um, bad. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, we got the Cleveland catcher. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that plays out. With double headers. Now, with Heim being traded, that trade that happened this week with Texas and Oakland, I think Heim, I mean, I, it kind of messes with my Sam Huff ownership in one league, which makes me a little sad. But I think Heim's going to get a lot of time. Um, because our friend at The Athletic, I can't remember, Melissa. Melissa Lockard. Thank you. Who is the, the queen of Oakland and, and knows. I, I remember talking to her last year um, about the Oakland catchers. And she said, really, she thought Heim was the best of the bunch. So how did that was that an OTP conversation? Yeah, it was. 
Yes, that's nice. correct. It was. But we also played another league together. And she knows Oakland A's, man. I mean, nobody knows Oakland A's like she does. And she said that Haim was the best of the bunch, that she thought Haim was going to have the best career. And now he's in Texas. There's really nothing holding him from getting that job. And DVR texted us last night saying that he was around. What round was he in, DVR? Was Haim in? Uh, he was in the 40s for a little while. I wonder if in your, if you're in a draft like Nando right now, if maybe he jumps up into the like mid 30s, 33rd, 34th round, maybe. Yeah, because I would guess that the Rangers start the season with Haim and maybe Jose Trevino mm-hmm. as their two catchers. They send Huff to double A AA or triple A since he made the leap from high A last year. And then, you know, if Huff gets the K rate down and is just mashing at triple A, then it's going to be Haim and Huff probably working together. But I think the cool thing is Jonah Haim playing behind Sean Murphy was going to play one in every four games probably, at most. Like, Sean Murphy's going to play a lot yeah. in Oakland. At least now, sharing with Sam Huff, I think you could see Jonah Heim ending up in a 50-50 split in the long run, and he might play more than that in the short term, and he might even change the Rangers' plans at the position for a while, too. I mean, maybe Sam Huff ends up being part of the DH mix eventually, yeah. and, and Heim's getting two-thirds or three-quarters of the starts because he is a good receiver. He's got a good arm behind the plate, and I think the bat has come along better than people expected. But then the other guy, and if Nando, if your draft is still happening, yeah, it is. Actually, I just I just moved Jonah Heim all the way up. <laughs> what round are you in? Yeah, he's still available. Round forty, still available. And then grab him at forty. You got to grab him next pick. All right, I'll get him. I'll get him for you. But the last guy you want to think about if you're going to get a be a fifth catcher for you in that situation, uh, like uh, Austin Allen in Oakland is yep. going to play more. I now agree because he's the backup to Murphy. The question that really kind of dictates how much Allen plays is. Will the A's bring in a veteran to be their DH? If they float the DH, Austin Allen can be, you know, forty games behind the plate and thirty or forty maybe as the DH rotating through. That trade was fun to to watch from every different angle. And what interested me most were the secondary pieces. Was Heim moving? You know, I mean Davis moving. I mean, it's it's like trading one problem for another. Uh, but your boy, you know, Nando, you were right. Falefa is the starting shortstop, and you were on him long before anybody else. I, to be fair, I was like a, a late, a bit of a late adapter. No, um, you weren't. <laughs> you were. Well, I mean, well, you, okay. I, I, you were. I re- you were drafting him, and you were paying for him in a time when he wasn't being paid for or being drafted. Two years ago is when you were talking about Falefa. So, um, I think you just like the name, to be honest. But you That's did. Not true. You did have. I like, a, I like converted catchers, which makes no sense. Why do you like converted catchers? <laughs> I was making that up, man. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that didn't make any sense. In my like, track record. <laughs> I mean, Craig Biggio is a converted catcher, but. Yeah, it's a, that's it's, what I'm known for. It's a it's a it's a it's an interesting uh, interesting trade. I kind of think Andrus might have a little rebound in Oakland. It's a, I kind of like it. It kind of makes sense. Would you rather have Andrus or uh, Profar right now? As a fantasy player or as a uh, like no, a, this base- a fantasy show? Fa- We're talking about fantasy. Yeah, this isn't rates and barrels. Um, I would say Elvis Andrus. Because I have more, well, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I'm worried about San Diego players. It, it feels a little bit like the Tempe Rays, where it's like, how many games is Profar going to play a week? Is he going to play three? Is he going to play four? If he's playing six games a week for some reason, and Andrus is playing six games a week, I want Profar. Not close. But I think Andrus is going to play five, six games a week, and I think Profar is going to play three, so I'll take Andrus. Tell you what, this uh, the San Diego, like you mentioned, yeah. is bothering, like, I was looking for Mateo. I forgot Mateo was on the Padres. Yeah. Because like when all this when Oakland stuff was going down, I'm like, you know, so I love Frank Cumbretto. I know he's on the Angels. Yes. And I know we talked about him last week. So it was Mateo. 
And uh, it's just there's just nowhere for him to play. Like there are a couple of good players I love who just have nowhere to play yeah, at the moment. He can't hit. He's not. He's just, yeah, I mean, he just can't hit. I mean, right. it, 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 Mateo is not is not a fantasy of any fantasy relevance at this point. Something might happen. Something might shift. But I, I actually think he needs to be traded from San Diego for something to happen. We'll see. You know, Maybe I, I'd like, I'd like to, to see him there. go to Kansas City. How about that? Send him to Kansas City. Let him play second base instead of Nicky Lopez. That'd be fun. Nicky Lopez, I believe, is still available in this draft. That does not surprise me. And not a bad six at bats at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I like doing those fifty uh those those drafts. I like those a lot. They're fun. Oh, they're the best. I was Vaquero was giving me crap and I was giving him crap back and he's like, Do you want to take the first thirty next time? No. Because he's like he's like, You pick all these random guys, and like it's that's very easy to say <laughs> when you have one of the top three hundred picks. <laughs> like, oh wow, you didn't miss that many? How about that? My bad. What did he expect? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> in this arrangement, giving you the last 20 rounds, what did he expect from you? Yeah, and then I you guys know. win. So I don't know what you don't complain. Yeah, we you keep guys, winning. You guys it are works. doing great. You guys are doing great. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Ian. Absolutely. Um, so on the show today, <laughs> we're going to get into uh, a bunch of stuff, but I, I I don't know if I put this in there and DVR rearranged it into a question or Ian did that, but I had Forrest Whitley in there. Um, I don't know. His name's popped up a couple of times in maybe like. He's on someone's trade block in a dynasty league, and maybe I read something somewhere. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he even came up on the show. I went looking for his cards. They're still just, I mean, they're priced accordingly. But uh, let's talk about him for a second, because he was like the man. He was. Two years ago, before 2019. Yes, he was. I'm in a league where uh, Forrest Whitley was traded basically straight up for Jacob deGrom two years ago, which was insane in the moment. And felt insane, but now is further insane. You know what I mean? I mean, it just shows. But Whitley, you know, I asked DVR because we play in XFL together, and DVR has the first pick in that draft, in the in the their version, uh, our version of the first player draft. And Whitley is available on a good contract. And I was curious if DVR was considering Whitley at number one. So I probably wouldn't because I'd be passing on, let's see, like Torkelson. No, 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 no. Those no, guys, no, no. right? Those guys are no, not no, available. Are. Those guys, because remember in XFL, it's open. Pay attention to the rules, man. It's open universe in XFL. So Torkelson's owned, Austin Martin is owned, Nick Gonzalez is owned. I mean, all those guys are already owned. Kumar Rocker is owned in that league. Yeah, I mean, I know it's open universe. I didn't realize they were all, all owned. already scooped up. The, the best mm. from this year's draft are like Keston, you know, Heston could. I can't even say his last Kira? name. Kira? Uh, no. Kerstad? Yeah, him. Um, you know, no, it's 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 very well picked <laughs> over. It's very well picked over in that league. So that's why someone like Forrest Whitley, who's on a $3, $3 a year jump contract, does have some interest. I think there's, you know, I mean, there's still some upside. <laughs> but he could be Mark Pryor, too. So you, you never know. DVR, what do you think? Well, once you whittle away the players that are already rostered in that league, there's a decent chance that Whitley is if not the best prospect, at least one of yeah. the best prospects. So I guess I have to at least think about it. I mean, our buddy James Anderson has him 38th whoa, on whoa, his whoa, prospect list slow right down now. So Ian can ding, please. Ding. Thank you. And Keith Law's got him at 29, right. right? I mean, those are two people that use pretty different processes to build their list. James with a fantasy forward list. Keith doesn't care about fantasy at all. And they both have him inside their top 40s, which is pretty good. But it's not a must pick. I, I think the question I'm starting to wrestle with when it comes to Forrest Whitley is, what role does he have when the season begins? You know, I, I'm almost looking at him as more of a, a short-term dart than a guy that I really want in the long run when it uh, requires an early draft pick. 
You know, like I'd rather have a hitter in that spot if there's a comparable hitter available because of the risk and some of the the yeah. downside that we've seen already. But you look at this rotation, Grinky, something wasn't right with him physically in the postseason, like the way he was scheduled. McCullers has a ton of arm injuries in his history. And then you got Fromber and Christian Javier and Jose Urquidy. It's a nice trio in the three, four, and five spot. I think generally that group's been pretty healthy as prospects. Luis Garcia is pretty interesting. So it's definitely not a lock that Forrest Whitley has a spot to call his own in the rotation, at least when the season begins. So if I'm looking at him as a long-term guy, there's probably a hitter I like more. If I'm looking at him as as more of a a short-term play, I think he's one of my last reserve picks because the ADP is kind of around 500. What would you do with him in draft and hold? Do you think if you don't have other prospects that you're waiting on, do you like him in the 50-round format that we're talking about? Sure, yeah. 50-round format. I mean, Nando, is he still available? He shouldn't be available at round 40, but is he? No, he's gone. Uh, yeah, okay. Let me see. Well, actually, they don't tell you when he went, just that he's gone. You could look at the draft board. It'll probably tell you. I'm guessing 30, 35th, 34th. Uh, I, I don't I don't. Man. I, I don't think that uh, I don't think he's going to be great this year, but I just still think there's upside. It's like Jamison Tyon in a way. I mean, it's just when you have pedigree like that, I'm going to give you more chances, more bites at the apple, so to speak. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's possible we'll see him this year. I certainly think it's possible, and he's definitely somebody who I'm who who I would consider. And at one one, I don't know that I would take him at one one, but I definitely think he's worthy of a first round pick at some point in that in that format you know yeah because he's he's the guy that's got five above average pitches right they don't really make pitchers like that you know we don't usually see that profile the problem has been command right if you look at the fan graph scouting grades he's got 35 grade command and that's been on full display in the upper levels of the minor leagues i mean the last time we saw forrest whitley have success in the minor leagues was high a double a he got roughed up Triple-A got roughed up, and the walk rates have been through the roof at those last two levels. But we're only talking about 47 innings from a then 21-year-old at Double-A AA and Triple-A. So it, it would be foolish to give up on him completely. Uh, but I think you know a 1-1 in a prospect sort of setting, not quite. Uh, but oh, I, I just wish they... I wish they had a clearer path for him to get that opportunity early in 2021. I think it's more of like a mid-season sort of call-up. Yeah, agreed. He has five pitches. That's something. Yeah. 60-grade fastball, 55 slider, 60 curveball, 60 changeup, 55 cutter. Yikes. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I have him on the – Scott White traded him to me. At the end of last year, Scott White was going for a title in a score sheet league, and he traded me Whitley – Brent Honeywell and Brendan McKay. And I forget who it was for. Someone good, obviously. Um, but like I, I kind of like those three kind of stick out to me. Not so much McKay, actually. I guess it's more Honeywell and Whitley. And so I was going like, let me go look at Honeywell. And he had another surgery. Uh, what, like, yeah. yeah. His name is Brent Surgery Well. Well, you know what? Cause, and not to bring everything back to Jose De Leon, but it was always Honeywell and De Leon coming up together. Not always. I mean, obviously, you know, when they were at Tampa Bay, those two were kind of running neck and neck as prospects. Um it's just, it, I don't know, it sucks to see uh, you know them have to kind of rebuild themselves. It's interesting about pr- pitching prospects, right? I mean, this is what we're talking about when we're saying when you get, because we're in the first-year player draft moment right now. Now's the time to discuss the first-year player draft, and maybe we should do a thing on it next week as well. Um, but 
Pitching prospects, there's a reason why they fall. I was watching film of Asa Lacey yesterday, which I'd never really done, like gone deep on him. He's really good, guys. Asa Lacey, man. His slider is one of the best pitches I've seen in a long time. And he hides the ball well. He got real great pop. I mean, Asa Lacey is a nice, nice pitcher. But then again, do you want to take Asa Lacey? Because he's a young pitcher. And young pitchers have problems. I mean, it's just, it's just a challenging situation. So that's why pitchers fall, and they should. I um I was just got distracted looking at this. You want to hear this pitching staff that I have that I got? You know, we haven't set keepers yet or anything. But this is a really under the radar pitching. I didn't realize how weird it was. I got Luke Weaver, Yusei Kikuchi, Trent McKenzie, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Elisir Hernandez, Logan Allen. Um, um, uh, I have Yur, the dude who was just in that trade. I didn't realize I had him. He must he must have been like one of those supplemental picks at the end of the year. <laughs> well, I was just grabbing people. I got Joey Lucchese. I got Chris Sale, thanks to the both of you. I've got nice. Jamison Tyon, uh, McKay, Zach Lowther, uh, who was born out of the show, I believe. I think it was a Steve G special, wasn't he? Uh, yep. Michael Ballman, Forrest Whitley, Brent Honeywell, John Duplantier, and Jose DeLeon. That is a pitching staff that could have 13 aces or zero. <laughs> I'll take the over under at three, two aces, two. Oh, fun, two with sale coming back and being one of them. Um, yeah, but hey, that's why this is. I have to say, let's just take a moment. Fantasy baseball is so much fun. I'm so excited and for it to be back. I'm so excited for it to be back. It never really left for me because uh, I don't, as you know, don't play fantasy football, but. You know, to have people like ringing up my phone, Brett, Sarah, and I, we did, we finally finished our, you know, big, expensive uh, Dynasty League, that big $1,000 a year buy-in, which is the first time I'd, I'd ever done anything like that. And Brett and I are sharing a team and we kept only two players and it's like a score sheet type league. Um, and we have got 29 prospects, the, be- like the best prospects in baseball. We have the best prospects. Every single one of the top 20, we have 18 of the top 20 prospects because that's all we drafted in the startup draft last year. And we or we were able to keep just, we kept Acuna and we kept Eloy Jimenez and traded everybody else for more prospects. And then we get the top four picks in the draft. So we are guaranteed Torkelson, guaranteed Austin Martin. And then we're going to bring back Keston Hero, who we dropped, to make sure that we got Spencer, Spencer Torkelson. And then we finish off with, uh, well, I'm not going to say who we finish off with because people might be listening. Um, but I do want to ask about Keston Hura. You know, the, in, since we did our show, it was announced in Milwaukee. DVR, you're the guy to talk to about this. He's moving to first base. Well, this caused a flurry in dynasty leagues because people, some people, um, got really nervous and were like, "I want to get Hero off my team and sold too fast." Right? I'm curious how far he drops. Right? How far he's going to fall from in, in his value as he moves from second base, which is not a deep position, to first base, where his bat, though good, though still not great, considering what he did last year, doesn't play up as well. Um, DVR, what do you think in Milwaukee? Is he going to get? Here's my first question. Is he going to get 20 games at second base? I say no. I say once you, you know, he's going to have to spend all of his time practicing first base to get better at that. And he's already not good at second base. So I think it's Colton Wong at second with um, Luis Urias backing him up there occasionally when a tough lefty is coming up. And they're just going to stick here at first base and call it a day. What do you think? Am I am I in the right? Am I thinking of this right? What do you think? Yeah, there's no reason to think here is going to play at all at second base because they could play Urias there like you mentioned if Urias somehow like overtakes 
Arcia for the starting shortstop job. They would play Arcia as the backup at second. Right. If Daniel Robertson sticks around, he can play second base. Right. That's right. I think this is a permanent move. It was a multi-year deal for Colton Wong. He's a great defender. And the Brewers' defense up the middle is really good. I mean, Lorenzo Cain still plays gold-glove caliber defense in center field at an advanced age. Now you've got Wong. Arcia can make ridiculous plays. He just has problems with consistency. If you switch to Urias, you're still at least good there. But the defense behind this pitching staff is good. It's one of the team's strengths, I think, as a as a whole. At least at key spots, the defense is going to be good. With Hira's value, I think he can hit enough to be a perfectly fine first baseman because look at his career numbers. He's played 143 games now between 19 and 20. He's hit 32 home runs, 12 steals, 266 with a 338 OBP, 505 slug. I mean, that's what, Reese Hoskins with speed and a better batting average? Like, Reese Hoskins is a top 125 sort of player. Right, but if he's a 120, yeah, but that's my problem. A 120, he's not a top 50 player anymore as he was going into 2020. For dynasty purposes, that's more about his bat, though, than about his position. Like, Agreed. how much, how much more value? Like, in, just just take a first baseman and move him to second base. Take Jose Abreu and give him second base eligibility. How much earlier would you draft him? Three rounds earlier, at least. Really? Yeah, that would make him a first rounder, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe not three rounds earlier. I would definitely draft him higher, and there'd be a deeper second. You know, there, there's more value at second base. I'm reaching to, I'm paying for DJ LeMahieu in certain spots to get second base locked in. I'm paying for Ozzy Albies because second base is not good. I mean, that's how I see it. Unless I'm missing something. That's uh, that's prime Brett Boone if you, with Jose those Jose Abreu numbers at second base. I'm just looking at this this hero situation, trying to come up with some more statistical comps. I mean, he hit 303 when he debuted. He's probably not doing that if he keeps the K rate over 30%. I don't think the K rate's coming down a lot unless you know, he can get better not. against the high fastball. So that's my problem. 260, 260, 25 with great run production and some steals. It's a good first baseman, but it, it, again. That would that would have been the same projection for him as a second baseman. So he was probably being overdrafted as it is. If you think that's where he's at now, if you think he's two sixty and twenty five homers, even as a second baseman, he didn't fit as a top seventy pick. He was more of a fringy top one hundred guy. So I would say he was going about two rounds too early. Is Keston Hira versus Max Muncie a fair toss up in terms of skills as a hitter? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think so. All right. Muncie's ADP is 95. And for now, Muncie's first, second, and third. But imagine a world where Max Muncie's first base only, right? He'd go a little bit later I'll, than that. No, maybe. he'd go quite a bit later than that if he was first base only for me. Well, you, Matt Olson is first base only, Max Muncie. And everyone loves him. Yeah. I get, but I worry about Muncie just Dodgers playing time just a little bit, but his being able to go from first, second to third really ups it. I guess, look, with second base, if you have Jonathan VR as your number 13 second baseman, Andres Jimenez at 14, Salak at 15, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not very deep. I mean, Dylan Moore, who obviously I've been a fan of and I like, is at 11. You know, second base is a place that is hard to fill because you get guys who, you know, they're not the best athlete on the team because if they were the best athlete on the team, largely they would stay at shortstop or they're smaller guys. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know. I just I, I definitely think it it's a hit to Hura's long term dynasty value for sure. I got breaking news. We're on the clock in our uh, in our league here. And I think I'm going to take Jonah Heim live on air. Do it. Should I do it? Do it. 
I mean, I got it's it's like it's not the greatest assortment left. You know, Ronald Guzman, Christian Arroyo, Logan Allen, Jake Rogers, Kristen Stewart, Anthony Kay. You can wait on those guys. Franklin Barreto. Oh, you know what? No, because Jose De Leon got sniped for me in the <laughs> in the thirty eighth round. Well, why'd you? Uh, yeah, that's about right. You, you, this is about when you should be taking him. Jonah Heim, welcome to the team. Good job. I took Carlos Rodon instead in my through through my tears. Well, I kind of like I like Rodon at that area. I really do, actually. DVR, what do you like... think about that pitcher? Oh, it's Rodon. All right, then. All right, fine. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's he. He's gonna have. I'm really glad he stayed in Chicago. I really am. I think number three pick in the draft, really high upside. Really struggled. Young pitcher. Same stuff. What we're talking about. People were drafting Carlos Rodon with the in the first year player draft with the third pick back then. Second pick. You know, he was he was really highly touted. And it takes some time, but maybe he'll he'll find his way. Hopefully, I like Carlos Rodon. I'm rooting for him. Me too. Well, obviously now, very much so. Um, guy I took before him the round before him was Michael Givens. Wait, actually, I don't, I don't want to. He's actually in the the rundown. Well, I don't let's wanna, just go to Michael Givens. Well, I don't want to skip so, ahead. We had no, a good second no, base. No, talk you did going. it. Let's go. Let's you go. Did let's it. go to Givens. I, I'm sorry. Did I just eat the whole thing? Kind of because, like, we're talking about Michael Givens. Really? Okay. Then you brought up Michael Givens. We got to talk about him now. We can't like lightly discuss him and then come back to Michael Givens. It could be. So, it could be a teaser. teaser. So Michael Givens is severely. This is your question. Is severely underrated, right? How much can we even trust any Rockies closer? Well, I didn't put that A in there. I think DVR did that. Oh, okay. So, Nando, what do you think? You think he's the the stuff, right? I think Daniel Bard in a short season looked amazing. It was a beautiful story, but mm-hmm. I think Michael Givens is the, the closer in Colorado. <laughs> there you go. I mean, look at Michael Givens. You're at, like, he's used to pitching in a bad park. They have the humidor, um, which, by the way, we didn't even get into this, which I'm sure they talk about on Rates and Barrels, but Eno broke, uh, broke news. Um, yeah, about the, yeah about the the baseballs being deadened, but also five and they haven't said who the five are, but five more teams that they won't name are going to use humidors this year, bringing the total up to ten, um, which I don't like, but whatever. Uh, but I mean, if one of those is Baltimore, you know, balls aren't going to fly out of there as much anymore. That that's going to be interesting. If the ball is really does change, we should know that before people draft because that makes Aaron Judge more valuable, right? Because the power, cheap power goes away a little bit. You're not going to get the cheap home runs. So you might need to buy power, right? Yeah. That's what, well, they said like a ball that goes 375 is expected to lose one to two feet. Someone else in the story actually had a quote that said, just imagine like the fences were moved out five feet, um, which is, is interesting. So I guess you got to do an overlay for every single player and see what landed where. Um, and then on top of that, juxtapose the this new humidor teams because the humidor seems to be working wherever they're doing it. Um, that could change some things. That would change a lot of things. Yeah. If I knew that a pitcher is pitching in a park where they're using the humidor, they get a little bump. Actually, we should discuss the fact that it looks like as of now, the DH is not happening in the National League. That changes the game for us. Whose proposal that changes- is that? Is that MLBs or MLBPAs? Because I wonder if that's a MLB, bargaining MLP, chip. It is a total bargaining chip. The MLB owners are using it as such. They they literally think, and they may be right, that it will give the MLB players more money. So they're trying to trade the DH or I, uh, what is it, extra hitter, EH? Is it an EH now? They're trying to trade the hitter for um, 
for expanded playoffs. And the and the players are like, no, we're not doing expanded playoffs beyond the 10 that we're doing this year. And they said, all right, well, then we're going to keep the DH and you can use the DH in double headers is what they said. But I still think it's just insane. I, I But but it, more importantly than what I think about it is I think it changes values for pitchers. It puts Jacob deGrom ahead of Garrett Cole for me. And it makes him the, the number one pitcher ahead of uh, Cole and then Bieber because he's going to be facing... Is it, is it two sides of the coin though? Because he's going to be facing a pitcher, but he also has to hit. And you know what I found? And keep an eye on this: when a pitcher gets on base and then runs the bases, watch what happens that next inning. He oftentimes will struggle, and I think it's because he he doesn't get his time off in between to rest and to reset his head and reset his body to get back out there and pitch. So I think it it just changes the equation uh, for National League pitchers. DVR, what do you think of Michael Givens? <laughs> okay, a couple things. Uh, Givens, the problem with Givens I is I was that, just kidding. You don't have to, I, was, I was joking, just trying to segue you to Ian's answer, but you don't have nah, to bring up to this. I, I still think there's a chance that, and maybe I have not read the reporting correctly to this point, I still think there's a chance they get Universal DH in for this season. Because yeah, it's possible. It, as I understand it right now, we're not using last year's playoff format at this time, right? Are we going back to the pre-2020 playoff format? As of today, that's how I understand it. I think it's two wild card teams playing one game to play the top team, right? So I guess that's the old version. Going back to the old way, which oh, okay. obviously yeah. makes the owners unhappy. So don't you think they're going to meet somewhere in the middle where they're not going to expand the playoffs as much as they did last year, but they'll expand them a little bit more in exchange for Universal DH, probably a week before the season begins, just to just to throw <laughs> a wrench into all of our plans, like. I don't know. I guess I haven't given up hope, even though it, it definitely doesn't look as certain today as it might have just a couple of days ago. Um, but to the, the Givens point, the Rockies reliever question is a little bit different than the Rockies starter question. I think because it's a smaller number of innings, a reliever can find a way to survive Coors a little bit better. If you look back, though, since 2010, how many Rockies relievers have had at least 20 saves in a season. Wade Davis. Davis has the best season with 43. I'm blanking on it. Greg Holland? Greg Holland had a 41-save season in 2017. I forgot nice. he was even a Rocky, no. so that's, that's a Jesus, good poll. I forgot that. Who is too. the French guy? Oh, wait, LaTroy Hawkins? LaTroy Hawkins squeezed in a 23-save season Dude. in 2014. Yeah. Eric Gagne, Not, Eric Gagne, you looking, did Eric Gagne pitch for the Rockies? No, they had one guy that did it twice. I'm really glad that you didn't get that right because if you did, I'd be absolutely sure that you were looking this up. Oh man, I just I do, Colorado Rockies closer, you. man. It was a oh um, my god, <laughs> good for you, man. I feel like there was another oh, no. twilight of his career guy, like a Billy Koch, but not Billy Koch. Yeah, you're you're kind of on one of them for sure. One guy was there for a little while. I I forgot he had a 30 save season. Uh, Raphael Betancourt had a 31 uh, save season. Had a 281 uh, ERA that year. Houston Street uh, did it twice in 2010 and 2011. That's what I was thinking of. And Houston Street was pretty good. ERA was under four both of those seasons. John Axford was the guy that you might have been thinking of, Nando. Oh. Oh, I was not thinking of John Axford. I told no way. <laughs> but I'm surprised seeing some of the ratios, right? Holland, 361. Betancourt, 281. Houston Street, 386. Hawkins, 331. What was Davis? Davis was the best closer. Was a, had one really good year there. Davis's 43 save season was a 413 ERA. Oh, all right. 
guess it wasn't that good. Maybe his great season. You know what it was? He had that ridiculous season for Kansas City, then moved over to Colorado on that three-year contract. And then at the moment, but see, the moment he got traded to, to or the moment he signed with Colorado, I traded him. I don't like Colorado closers, pitchers, any of it. I just, I just stay away from it. You know, I just don't want to deal with that. So I, I look, Daniel Bard, great story last year. Maybe he comes back and does it. I own him on the Maki team with uh, Dr. Tom. We are not keeping Daniel Bard. I just don't trust it. Michael Givens. I just don't understand why Michael Givens was never, has never really been given the opportunity to close. It's, it's almost like people don't think he can do it or something. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's, he was, he never had the opportunity. One foot in, one foot out almost the last couple of years. And when he, yeah. I mean, his, his whip was super low. His K rate was insane. insane. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I With closers this year, my rule on closers is there's like six of them that have jobs that we know, maybe seven or eight, and get one. Just get one and then figure out the rest as it goes. But get yourself like, I don't mind paying for Liam Hendricks. And to me, he's the number one closer this year because you know he's got the job. Aaron Bummer's not taking that job from him. They paid him. He's going to have that job if he doesn't get injured. My concern about Josh Hader, who's the number two, the classic number two, is that Devin Williams is going to be there. And maybe they put Hader back to the seventh, eighth inning guy because they can might be able to win more games that way. So I, I say pay up a little bit for Liam Hendricks. Don't, you know, in a, in a 50 team, 50 round draft, don't pick him in the third or fourth round. But if he's there in the fifth, I, I'm considering him there. DVR, are you, where are you on relievers this year? It's a mess. I have been right. trying to make sure I get one out of my top 10 just so I'm competitive right. in the category. And then if the right options kind of in the 11 to 20 range are there at the right time, I'll take a couple of shots in there, hoping basically to get one closer out of two picks. I, knowing knowing that I'll probably be wrong in half of those dart throws, which is horrible. I mean, there's a lot of committees. There's a lot of unsettled situations. I, I think there's there's one kind of fallback that I, I try to stick to though. And this is why I don't end up taking chances on Rocky's closers, which I think you can. I mean, I think it's sort of like taking a low average masher, right? It's sort of like having Joey Gallo. If you've got really good ratios projected from your first handful of starters and you got a really good closer already, you can absorb some ratios damage over 50 or 60 innings. The same way you can absorb a really low batting average. If you've built in that batting average foundation, but I'm always looking for those guys I'm taking chances on. They're really skilled relievers that I might even keep on my roster if they're not closing. You know, so uh, St. Louis, Giovanni Gallegos is a guy that if he's not the closer, he might actually hang on my roster for a little bit. So it's not a completely wasted pick in deeper mixed leagues. In shallow mixed leagues, you probably still have to cut him if he's not getting saves. Uh, maybe it's Emmanuel Class A, right? We talked to Zach Meisel on Fantasy Baseball in 15, and it doesn't seem as though Cleveland is as locked in on James Karinchak being the closer as the fantasy community wants them to be. They, they may they may go a different direction. They may go more committee. Class A is among the options. Nick Whitgren's among those options. I think you can kind of pick your spots with a few of these situations that haven't been decided yet and either get lucky and be right about the closer or at least end up with a reliever that's going to come out, strike out a ton of guys, and maybe get you a two ERA and a one whip over a decent volume of innings. Can I say one more thing? The thing, the other thing about the Colorado closer situation and the reason why I avoid them, I just thought of another reason. 
being a closer is it, it's about mentality, right? If we're talking about Michael Givens. Like I, what made me think was maybe they don't think he's got the mentality for the job. You go into Colorado and you blow up one one game and you give up four runs and five hits and two walks and, and get nobody out that messes with your confidence. And then all of a sudden you see someone else is going to get an opportunity there. Someone, you know, Jaro Diaz always gets his two weeks in Colorado. You know what I mean? Like it's emotionally, it's a really challenging place to pitch. And as a closer, your emotions are so any, any part of the game, your emotions are so very important, but as a closer, it's that much more important. You need to keep that edge thinking that you're the guy, the best, um, so that's the other reason I just wanted to to throw that in there. But that's scary about Karinchak. I'm counting on him in one league. There's one league I'm particularly counting on him in. But didn't uh, DVR? I'm sorry. I know we promised before the show not to say things that will make you need to edit. But I think I'm right. I'm like 99 sure that I'm right here. Didn't Class A do something off field? He had a PED suspension. Was that a, a PED? Okay, yeah. That doesn't hang over to this year. No, nah, he didn't pitch last year because of that, but the suspension's over. I mean, he's... Th- and the arm is good. Throws uh, 100 you know, of movement. Uh, yeah, well, that was with PEDs, though, DVR. See, here's my thing about PEDs. I've gotten into some arguments uh, because of this over the years. I think there's always this assumption that while you're taking the PEDs, you reach this new level, and once you stop, you can't sustain it. I think the PEDs help elevate you. Like, when you hit a wall in training, you get another level of strength you can reach because of the performance enhancing drugs so if you can maintain after ped usage you've sort of already done what you need to do to be bigger and stronger whether or not you physically can hold up at that added mass in the case of a lot of people that's probably a whole other question to dive into but i guess i don't overlook at it and say oh roids made him good but He's off roids now, so he can't be good. I think it's more sustained than people want it to be. I don't know. For closers, it's different for me. I look at him like the big power hitters. Like if, if he was a starter, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Maybe it just helped him heal. But uh, for closer, I don't know, man. I don't know, dude. As we're doing this, I'm watching film. I'm watching film of Class A, Emmanuel, and uh, the stuff is really good. He looks like a closer. He really does. I mean, he was he was the big part of the Corey Kluber trade. And ooh, ooh, nasty man! Hundred with movement. That's what I just saw. I saw a hundred diving. That's one thing, guys. If you want to really like get better at the game, I think this is my opinion. Like, watch film on players and watch them and see what you think. You know, I'm sure most people are like, yeah, duh. But um, if you're not watching film, like that's my way of understanding a guy. I go to YouTube, I put in his name, and I look at his highlights. And, you know, the highlights always look really good because they're the highlights. But you get, I mean, that fastball, 100 miles an hour, fading away. That's 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 nasty stuff. He's really got a great arm. That's a 92-mile-an-hour slider. Jesus. Just made Mike Trout look like a... Anyway, there's there's our radio version of the show. But, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, Emmanuel Class A. That's 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 interesting. And and closers look. There's really if you if you if you look at the the list of closers, it's just not very strong. Hendricks, Diaz. I mean, do you trust that Diaz is going to hold that job? I'm not paying for Diaz. I'm not paying for Diaz. Chapman, sure, you pay for that. Iglesias, you kind of pay for that. Karen Chak, apparently no. Hand, he's working on a new pitch. I think there's upside there. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Ryan Presley probably going to hold. Jansen fell apart at the end of last season, but still has the job going in. I kind of like Jansen Alex Jansen falls Kalman. apart every year, though. He does, but he but he also will get you 30 saves every year. 
Right. So he's he's a guy that I want. I I think I've said this before on the show. I try to find closers that if they move the closer off the closing job, it's a story in the in the sports section because that's more security. Because the manager has to, you know, if 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 Dave Roberts takes Kenley Jansen out of that job, it it changes the 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 team. So he's going to be less apt to do that. Same with Chapman. It's like Chapman's locked in as your closer. Those are the guys that I that I really, really want. Everyone else past that, I mean, past column A at 11 and Kirby Yates, who knows? He's ranked at 10 on this particular list I pulled up. Everyone past that has huge questions. Devin Williams, Nick Anderson, is he going to be the closer all the time? Craig Kimbrell, am I really going down that road again? No. Rafael Montero. No. They have, uh, we actually got Rowan Wick. Well, I did a few a few rounds ago. I mean, okay, but <laughs> why is that Kimbrough's funny? Gonna have- I'm, 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 I'm laughing because you've made us co-managers of your team. No, but You're Wick welcome. is funny oh, yeah. also. Listen, K's are funny, guys. Use your K's. This is the little Rowan Wick. Wick is funny. Pickle is funny. Chicken is funny. But Rafael Montero, Joaquin Soria is the number 16 reliever. Come on, man. Get yourself a closer. Get yourself one and then work the wire. In Dynasty Leagues also, don't overpay for closers in the offseason, please. It's just not smart because you're invariably going to have teams that are trying to win or be in some version of winning. And then by the by the beginning of May, as I've said on the show many times, by the beginning of May, people are looking for a change. The first thing they're going to move at a discounted price is closers. So don't buy them in the offseason. Unless from me. You can buy them from me because I'll trade them. Ian, did you watch the Super Bowl? I actually watched um, part of the Super Bowl. I did. I watched like the end of the second quarter through... The end of the game. I did. I watched. I had it on. It was kind of fun to watch, actually. When you heard the uh, the, you know, the commercial with all the fakes, the the actor doubles, and the guy do the Christopher Walken at the start, where you're like, no, nah, I can do that. Nah, I didn't catch I'm that. I'm so much better than that. No, and no, my impressions are mediocre at best. No, please. If we're being honest. So, no, it's fine. But your humility um, is second to none. <laughs> depends depends on what time of the day. Um, but yes. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's, that's my feeling on... Um, that's my feeling on the closers, and now's the time to discuss it. Liam Hendricks, number one. I don't think I don't want to reveal too much. We got a really good closers writer coming in this year, like a really good closers writer. Sweet, yeah, very exciting. Right. It's very exciting. Yeah, come on, man, it's the athletic. I know, it's man, super it's fun. exciting. We got a whole you know, very. Ian already announced grateful. his. Uh, I know, uh, kind of, and got in trouble. I got the nasty get, text from who? I got nasty text from Nando Defino. It was nasty. You no, know, it was a little. It nasty. was sweet. It was sweet, like. You know, we were going to make a big deal out of that, and you kind of just let it all that out. First of all, I don't say kind of. <laughs> very direct. Hey, we got an email. I Please. Uh, Ian, why don't you do it? Okey-doke. As Sammy Davis Jr. Now, each year, my 12-team Roto League. I should have done it as R.L. Cohen, <laughs> but I still haven't gotten it right yet. Each year, my 12-team Yeah, don't embarrass Roto- us with your subpar R.L. Cohen impressions. Uh, seriously, with my subpar impressions, period. And if you notice, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting back on the dings and the bangs. Each year, my 12-team Roto League allows us to keep three players for three years in the spot they were originally drafted. I already have three carryovers, Acuna, first round, which I could argue lightly Juan Soto third round and Lucas Giolito 24th round I'm great with the other two I'm trying to figure out who to keep this season my options are and then somebody put in I think that was DVR he gets three more from the guys from the list below Tim Anderson in the fifth Louis Robert in the sixth Kevin Biggio in the 12th Kyle Lewis in the 22nd and Jared Kalanick in the 23rd which reminds me of something I want to say at the end of this email say it now I made a trade in in a dynasty league that we talked about where we traded Trevor Bauer 
and uh, Oliveris for Louis Robert and Corbin Carroll. And the person I made the trade with, who also has a podcast, got on his podcast and said, oh, I just traded uh, Louis Robert for Trevor Bauer and I kind of threw in a prospect. It was Corbin Carroll. (laughs) That's not just a, a prospect. That's a top 11 prospect in baseball, in fantasy baseball. Come on. I, I just had to say that because I got somebody reached out. was like, you just traded. I mean, are you sure you're good with that with Bauer for Robert? I was like, yeah, no, not really. I wouldn't have done that. And they said, well, that's what they said. They said, you just gave, you got Robert and some prospect. I was like, the prospect is Corbin Carroll. DVR, can you tell people that Corbin Carroll is really good? Corbin Carroll is really good. So we have choices of three more guys. <laughs> Tim Anderson in the fifth, Louis Robert, which is why I thought of it in the sixth, Calvon Biggio in the 12th, Kyle Lewis in the 22nd, and Jared Kellenick in the 23rd. This is an interesting question. Here's what I would say first. I'm not totally sold, believe it or not, on Acuna in the first. That may be crazy, but who else would be available in the first? Might you be? Eh, I think it's probably right to keep Acuna. I, I'm backing off my, my take there. For me, it's Tim Anderson in the fifth. Louis Robert in the sixth, and then either Biggio or Kellenic. And I think I'm going to say Kellenic. I think I'm going to say Kellenic. DBR, what do you got? Is Kevin Biggio uh, a special player? And with Marcus Simeon there, is Kevin Biggio going to lose eligibility at second base? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because Biggio is 20 for 20 as a base stealer. I did not expect him to be that kind of player in the big leagues. Obviously, smart because he's not extremely fast. Kind of an average runner based on scouting grades. But picks his spots really well. Showing nice power. 24 homers. A lot of home runs for a guy that only slugs 430 to this point in his career. Like it, it's, a, it's like he's maximizing results with kind of average skills. You know, like and he, he just, yeah. everything kind of plays up with him. And I'm just not sure how much I trust that. Like, it's it's really cool to see. It's fun to watch. He's already going to be 26 in April. I'm, I'm looking at him as just a guy that, as much as I think he's a good real-life player, I wonder if he's going to be a fast-peak sort of guy. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And 12th round is nice value, but Kelnick's probably coming up this year, and he's going to be the kind of guy that you're holding for several years. I mean, like it's like the Giolito in the 24th round sort of thing. It's it's right. the it's That's the smash pick that you're getting a really early rounder at almost no cost in the future. So I'd go Anderson, Robert, and Kelnick in this case because I think you're getting a ton of potential value from Kelnick. And as solid as Biggio's been or as good as he's been to this point, I'm just a little bit skeptical. And you and, and there's no there's no first round upside or second round upside with Biggio. We're not going to see him be a second round pick in baseball in fantasy leagues. It's never going to happen. Well, I shouldn't say never, but it's not. It's really unlikely. Kellenic could be that. Kellenic could be a second round pick player, you know. And to get him in the twenty third, Anderson's a no brainer for me. I love Anderson. Love Anderson this year. Love Anderson every year. And Louis Robert in the sixth. I you know traded for him with Corbin Carroll. Um. DV, uh, Nando, what do you think? Who do you got? Uh, so I like Anderson, Robert, and Lewis. Lewis, Robert, Anderson. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, man. I mean, if if there was no September for Kyle Lewis, Kyle Lewis would be the pick. But that September was troubling. 
I mean, he was still a good player. He's still a nice piece. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I get it. But I like it. for all the reasons you guys were Biggio, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm all right. I think maybe he gets, I mean, he's never mind. He's good. But I mean, like, Bichette, he's like Jeff McNeil. He's like a better version of Jeff McNeil, really, isn't he? I think if, you, he's, if he's, you're casual, he's better than Jeff McNeil. I think he's better than, uh, I think he's better than Jeff McNeil. Yes, he's better than Jeff McNeil. But I think people with him and Bichette and Guerrero, you know, like the sons of these players who are on the Blue Jays, uh, maybe Biggio kind of just gets lumped in there. You know, like you said, I mean, two of them are going to be superstars. Biggio's going to be a star. Or really good. Really good. I'm not going to go so far as star. And I am a little worried about his playing time. I mean, is he going to play every single day? I don't know. When is Randall Grichuk ever going to play? Is what I'm wondering. I don't know. You know? That's a guy who needs it's to be traded. To the Padres maybe. for Mateo. <laughs> okay yeah but then Mateo's more stuck in Toronto with Groshans and I mean you know it's that's the other thing I mean Austin Martin I mean Austin Martin's also with Toronto that team is fun man they just need one more really good pitcher and they're gonna they're gonna make some noise this year they, I mean they could wild card it this year they could Toronto could be in the playoffs this year it's possible that would be something I would say over under is 85 wins 86 wins, I really wanted to say, but then I got a little nervous, so I dropped down to 85. Oh, we didn't even talk about how I wasted money on the Marlins before you guys could stop me because I misread, well, I misinterpreted Rachel Luba's tweet. What did you, I, I missed that one. I missed that one. What was that, te- what was that text? She wrote, what did you do? She wrote down to two uh, for the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes. Oh, okay. And so, like, yeah. she put two, it was in a square and it had Marlins colors. And I'm like, oh, that's that, that's Derek Jeter. That's a Derek Jeter <laughs> reference. Right. This right. is clever. Um, so I went and I put 20 bucks on the Marlins to win the World Series, and uh, which I think pays back $1,000, something crazy. Right. And then 20 bucks for the Marlins to win the uh, National League, which, you it's know, and then Bauer didn't. But he didn't sign with anyone there. So the Marlins are good. T- uh, Marlins are a good team. Yeah, they'll be good. They'll be good eventually. And Alcantara is really good, man. Holy smoke. I was watching film on Alcantara yesterday with... Uh, and boy, oh boy, I mean, 98 and beautiful. I loved some Sandy Alcantara, what I was seeing. I mean, I always liked him. And uh, James Anderson Ding has been talking to me about him for years. But boy, oh boy, this stuff is this stuff is for real. It's really impressive. By the way, Trevor Bauer really did hurt some feelings here in New York. Who got, Met, dude, fans were, I've, Met fans were not happy. Al Melky. I mean, Cushing. Well, go ahead, sorry. No, go no, ahead. No, no, you, you said go. Cushing. Melky. You can't say without his... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to pass on the Darth Vader today. But oh, Cushing was like, why? Cushing was like, <sighs> Cushing was like, you know, you were right about Bauer. He's a really, he's not a good guy. And I was like, yeah, well, all right. I mean, I'm not sure about that. But I, I kind of missed it. Like, what was the thing that made everyone so mad that he sort of announced it wrong? What was that? Does it? Do you, does anybody have more clarity on he that? He just didn't choose them. I think that was the problem. Yeah, no, I think there was no, his, that. His something more than that. Link tree merchandise stuff like released Matt's merchandise and it oh. sent people an email saying I'm looking forward to taking the mound in New York and he said it was all like pre-made it was all like pre-designed so it'd be ready to go whenever he signed somewhere and I don't know it, it, he said it wasn't oh a, I didn't know he said it oh, was an intentional good. troll job but that's what he said I did see his response but I didn't know what had happened that's bad he's gonna get booed you know, <laughs> the he knows. Of, like really he knows. bad. Yeah. I mean, wow. Uh, That's nasty. Who cares? And Michael Salfino wanted Salfino wanted Bauer to the Mets so badly. And, you know, it's 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 kinda it's like tough when you don't get the guy that you're hoping to get because you're like hoping to love him forever and now you hate him. You know? 
It's like asking out the girl when you're 14. Like, I love her. I don't want to go out with you. I hate her. You know, it's like that. I don't remember going through that as a child. Uh, well, you were always the guy. That was it. Yeah, was, you know, the they, they must have felt that when I said no. Is Nomar Mazzara, <laughs> you have here Nomar Mazzara in the 35th round. Um, I have to assume he's a big son corner guy somewhere, right? I just don't know how he can hit around that shift. Like, he's a guy who just got destroyed by the shift. Because they he just hits into the shift all the time. I mean, is he going to get signed somewhere? I, I mean, know. you would assume, but when and and where would he go? Um, Marlins. How many outfielders? The Marlins the, actually, the Marlins. The Marlins would be a decent spot for him. We can't push Garrett great. Cooper out of a spot, though. Yeah, yeah Garrett Cooper. Yeah, yeah, we can. Come on, guys. Garrett Cooper's going. Yasiel Puig is not going to get signed. Yasiel Puig is not going to get signed. He was signed, I mean, and then he got well. Then he got COVID. No, man. I mean, people, you know, there was talk of the Royals, the Yankees, and the Braves, I think it was. Was it the Braves? I know the Royals and the Yankees. And they're like, nah, we're good. I I think it's going to be a real problem. I know in Dynasty Leagues, I was telling people, I was like, just trade him when you can, because I don't see him playing Major League Baseball again. Because it's not worth the trouble for teams. You know, I'm watching the, the Last Dance and watching Dennis Rodman and the whole story of Rodman. I'm rewatching it when I'm working out. And while Dennis Rodman is Dennis Rodman is a problem in the clubhouse, he was also like one of the top 15 players in basketball at the time and did something that nobody else could do. So you put up with it because the talent is so outrageous and he's so much better than everybody else. Yesiel Puig is not that talented. He's not that good to be worth the trouble. He's a right? knucklehead. Kind of. He's, he's like that actor. He's like that actor. What's his name? Who's that? What's that actor's name? He just got nominated for an Academy Award. Um, John Travolta. Indiana Jones. No, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. He's a young guy. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, it's like Shia LaBeouf. Like you, Shia LaBeouf, talented guy. But do you want him on set? Really? You sure you want to deal with that every day? Because you got to deal with it every day. That's like real life. He's just passionate. Ah, uh, no. So you like Trevor Bauer, but you have issues with Shia LaBeouf. I don't particularly like Trevor Bauer. I traded him for. Louis Robert and Corbin Carroll, might I add. Not just some prospect. Not to say. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. It sounds like you're saying. Obviously, obviously I took that a little personally. Yeah, it that sounds like it. Yeah. A little bit. I was like, it was like some prospect. Um, <laughs> how much is too much of a reach in the later rounds? Are you reading the questions now? Yeah. Right. Well, we got to get through it and we got we got stuff. You got stuff. I got stuff. I got nothing to do today, man. I got stuff. How... Um, how how much is too much of a reach in the later rounds? What does that mean, Nando? Well, because I got smoked on Jose De Leon, and I'm like, all right, you know what? I should have just grabbed him in 37 when I wanted to, when he was at the top of my queue, and I lost him. Um, yes. And now I'm like, now I'm overreacting, I think. Like, Ryland Bannon's coming up in the 41st. You know what I mean? Mm, okay, yeah. But I mean, DBR, not, not literally. You I know I can wait. On, although, Ryland Bannon's card prices have doubled or tripled. That's because of you. I don't think it's because of me. I don't think everyone on this show is running to grab Ryland Bannon and then yes, try to resell him eight, at a higher price. But if eight people are on or listening and going and buying Ryan Bannon, that's how it works. Jose it takes, also went up. It takes a few. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, whoa, this is worth more than I thought. By the way, my Bernie Sanders card did come today, this week, which was thrilling. My wife laughed her butt off. Um, DVR, what do you think? I have an opinion on it, but I've been talking a lot. DVR, what do you think? Hey, by the way, today's a Topps Rip Day, by the way. Well, I don't know if you're listening on the 9th, but they're opening up a pack of 1951 Tops later today, live. Well, that's pretty that's cool. All. Sorry, DVR, go ahead. No, that's fine. That's a, that's a really cool thing that people should definitely know about. I got to hurry and edit this thing so they can 
actually see it. The the, uh, the reaching in the late rounds in a draft and hold, it almost doesn't exist at a certain point. It, maybe That's it's the mid thirties or late thirties, but just get the guys you like. Get the guys. Totally. Get the guys that round out your roster and make sure you've got appropriate pitching depth and coverage for all the positions. Like if if you see Jose De Leon in the thirty sixth round and you believe in him, the difference between taking him there and the fortieth really doesn't matter all that much. I mean, unless there are some players that are like somehow sure things falling into that range that you're passing on, I don't think it's a mistake. Can I say something? I'd like to ask the the listeners of the show to to help help me out here. Would you tweet to us what is like what is a good phrase for when DVR says something that's just dead on right? You know? Like you know what I'm saying? Like that's DVR just said something it's just like yep, as always DVR, boom, perfect. Can you send that to me please on Twitter? I'll be very happy to see it. Like, you know what I mean? Cuz I I just fully agree. Uh, no, no, that, that's absolutely what you should do. You have to keep an eye on, make sure you have coverage. You have to make sure you have enough pitching, but then get the guys that you want to play with. I say this all the time and I really mean it. Like if you, I, a friend of mine, uh, who's a rabbi or who called me, he's doing a dynasty draft right now. And he's like, I've got these four prospects and they're all kind of in the same in your dynasty ranks. Like where, where are you, what, what, who should I take? And I just said to him, I was like, who do you want? Like, who do you want in your team? Who do you want to watch? Who do you want to watch grow? That's who you take. If things are remotely close and anything past the 35th round, pretty much, like if you want Jose De Leon, take him. Take him. No question. Yeah, that's how how you do it. I mean, he's going to be great this year. Yeah. All right. Well, why did you get laughed at for Lewis Brinson? Uh, It was Vaccaro. Oh, Oh, well, what round did you take Lewis Brinson? I have a number Uh, in my head. Somewhere between 30 and 41. Well, okay, but <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to pull? I'll open it up again if you want me to. I Please do, the because there's a number exactly in my head where he should go. I, I might be wrong, but there's a number where he should go. And if you're below that number, you can't be much far below it. Draft board. Bro, well, first of all, Brinson should be probably 25th round. This is a 15 team league. No, not 25th. But where did you take him? Lewis Brinson was taken in the 34th round. That's perfect. Uh, That's absolutely perfect. After Rowan I, Wick. Come on, man. That's great. What, what Vicaro, God bless you. You're great. Not on that one. I like the I like a Lewis Brinson dart at 34th. Guess who went in 35? Lot. Yeah, why don't you just read us quickly 30, no, no, you what you've done? Do you, do you, I really do. Uh, yeah. Was that laughing shit from one of them? I'm sure of it. Uh well I can say well let me start with so 30 was Vicaro's last round. Wanda Franco. Um Ooh, nice. Really? Franco it, lasted till 30th? The 30th? He was, wow. he, you know what? He was sitting up Yikes. top for a while. Uh wow. yeah. That's that's there's nothing wrong with that at all. I you, you I mean really that long? I don't know. I think everyone's thinking like Tampa right? Bay traded away all these players again and they're not for real. And why would they waste money calling Wanda Franco up? No, he's uh, DVR's DVR. Ha- that doesn't make any sense. DVR, where do you have? Do you him mean, it makes all the sense. They're cheap. It makes no sense that Wanda Franco lasted till the thirtieth round. I have him far above where he goes in drafts because I think the payoff is going to be absolutely worth it if he gets the call and I don't think it's going to take that long I, DVR has him you have him like ranked to be drafted in like the 20th or 19th round if I'm not mistaken yeah and I I may have a, I may have dropped him a little bit from the initial rank just so people uh-huh. don't overdraft him relative to right, the market because in that range right. you can overdraft a player yeah yeah you can overdraft that, that's but I, I got Franco in the 25th round recently and I felt great about it you know, so the fact that you get you got him at thirty, that could be a huge boon. Okay, what's after that? 
Uh, I lost my place. Hold on. It's Room just right board. down, right below. No, no, I was, I was on the t- on the tabs. I was looking something up on Wanda Franco. Was that the draft that Mazzara went in the thirty fifth though? Because I know he doesn't have a team, but I still like him quite a bit. He hits the ball hard. I don't think he's quite as pull happy as his reputation might be. I'm looking at the spray charts from the last couple of years. He hits the ball with power. I mean, he does hit the ball with power to left field, but everything else that I guess I'm taking that from watching how people play him and they have that second baseman like in right field. I don't like lefties who have second basemen who are playing short right field. I think they, I mean, they might be shifting him a little more than they need to just looking at where he's been able to hit the ball. I, I still think there's a good hitter there and, Man, he's another former Ranger who could end up in, in Oakland, right? If they end up adding a bat, huh. could be cheap, huh. could be part of the DH mix, doesn't have to play the outfield huh. anymore. I yeah, I, like, I like I like Mazzara in Oakland more than Edwin Encarnacion. That was the, the first rumor that I saw Ugh. on Twitter. I, I think Mazzara's the, the smart play there. I read that Edwin Encarnacion wants to play for two more years. Ugh, man. He's like my least favorite player. And, and not personal. It's just I just... <laughs> When he came to the, I just don't like it. It's uh, very I just personal. I guarantee you there is some random reason you don't like him personally in there. Here's the reason. He always <laughs> looks like here no there's a reason. There's a reason for it, but this this matters to me. He always looks like he's in a bad mood. Always. Now Paul O'Neill used to look like he was in a bad mood too, but it was intensity. To me when I watch Edward Encarnacion, he just looks like he's just uh, he's just that guy. And I'm like, uh like he doesn't even look happy after he hits a home run. He puts his little parrot arm up. I'm not a fan. I just don't. I don't like him as a as a as a player, and I don't like him as a fantasy asset. <sighs> I think the parrot is is like a, a celebration where it's like act like you've been there, right? Like I mean, other than, it's just a pretty subtle thing that he does, man. Like I I don't mind the parrot. I kind of like the parrot to be honest. The parrot I kind of like. I just don't like that every time they get it. I, I'm always watching the dugout. I'm, I'm, I wish they never showed replays of home runs after they hit the home runs. I would like to see the player go into the dugout and be congratulated by his teammates. Just stay on that, please. Then after he sits down, he's done celebrating his home run, then you can show me that. But please let me see what's happening in the dugout because that tells me everything that I want to see. Tells me what the guy is like. Tells me what everybody's like. And anyway, that's just me and I'm weird about that stuff. Yeah, but you're a... Uh... Probably the most successful out of all of us here on the show in terms of expert league success. I come on now. DBR is one of the best players, period. Yeah, but I mean I think right. I think you might have a better I mean you're like three for your last three years. Yeah, Let's man. Move on. You got a higher oh, win rate. I'm sorry, Johnny Humble, my bad. Let's yeah. Sorry. No, no, I, I play I, I look at the game in a very different way. I just look at the game in a very different way. I'm looking at the men. I'm looking at the guys. I'm looking at what kind of people they are. And because I believe that how you look at the world is how the world is going to treat you. And what you expect from the world is how the world is going to, what the world will give back to you. Everything in my history as a person has led me to that belief and understanding of the world. So when I see guys who have an optimistic viewpoint, I love them. Guys like Francisco Lindor, I believe, I mean, not only is he immensely talented, but I just love the way they play the game. That's why I talk about that stuff. That's why I was on Aaron Judge when he was a minor league guy, is because of the kind of man that he is, the young man that he was back then. But that's, uh, we were talking about something super interesting. What was it before I took us off? Nah, I hate when I do that. I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, no, you were doing your we'll list. So 30 is fine. 30th is Wander Franco. 31 is who? You'll have to wait until next week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. 31 okay. is Yoshi Tsutsugo. Okay. No. Uh, that could give you some coverage, too, in third base and outfield. Yeah, like uh, get excited. 32. Uh, Keep going. That's Roberto Perez. Yeah, you need that. Yeah. Uh, then Rowan Wick. 
Louis Brinson. Yeah, I like Brinson. And then the Ian Khan special, Miguel Andujar. Andujar. 35. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Maybe he gets traded to the A's. Well, Vaccaro also left us very light at third base. I know he doesn't have third base eligibility, but he could pop in there a couple times and give it to us. Maybe. Possible. Uh, possible. 36 was Loisaga. 37, Mazzara. 38, Colorado closer, Michael Givens. 39, Carlos Rodon. Or however you guys choose to say it. That's right. And then uh, 40, Jonah Heim. I kind of like this, uh, Nando. DVR, you like it as much as I kind of like it? I like these picks. I feel good about it. I feel good. Yeah, uh, DVR is half-hearted. No, no, he really no. They're they're good picks. I mean, those are those are there's upside to them. And now I'm gonna have to go back and look at Mazzara, maybe because there's a draft coming up uh, with Brett Sarah and I, and we were talking about Mazzara because he is available. And huh, interesting, interesting, interesting stuff. Well, you know what? I, really fun. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, really fun. What were we gonna say? I forget and then what we're gonna say. We gotta wrap. All right, let's wrap. Let's get out of here. We gotta get out of here. We got things to do. People to see. We do, actually. I do. But this is fun. Yeah. It's really, most of the time, my absolute favorite hour of the week. For the man who's about to go pound out thesaurus.com to try and find some ways to describe Derek Van Riper's rightness. Ian Kahn. That's me, and see you next week, y'all. For the man surreptitiously driving up Ryland Bannon card prices on eBay, Derek Van Riper. <laughs> I'm not that mean. I'm not as mean as the that girl's uncle's. <laughs> Bid now. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we hope you had a lovely time. Uh, the season is creeping. It's creeping. Oh, happy President's Day, everybody. Make sure you donate uh, t- <laughs> anonymously to uh, Mount Vernon. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Good talk. Good talk. Bye. Bye.